to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Listen, finally, brethren, Paul has been talking to them. He's been encouraging them. He's talked about, uh, you know, his, his, uh, uh, the growth of their church, the growth of, of their, their maturity in the Lord. He's excited about the, the things that, that God is do, doing in them. But there's something that has happened. There's something that has happened because some have crept into the church. Some have begun to creep into the church and begin to, to, to put out some false doctrine, if you will. He's going to address some of that here today. But one thing that he wants to, he, he'll, he'll start with here in chapter 4. He says, I, I urge you, brethren, finally. Yeah, he, when he says finally, he's saying, hey, I'm coming to the end of my letter. Finally then, brethren, I, I, we urge you. And, and Paul is including not just himself, but he's including those that are on it, you know, that, that are in faith and, and that are walking in, uh, the faith with him and those that are, are ministering alongside of him and, and being taught by him. And, and as they get together and as they encourage one another, they're also talking about this church that's in Thessalonica, then in Laodicea. And, you know, as I've, as I've shared before, you know, that this book here, as we look at this church here in, uh, uh, Laodicea, or in, uh, Thessalonica, that, and it was close to, to Laodicea. And so Paul, he's talking to them and he's saying, hey, here's what I want to encourage you with, but also share it with the church in Laodicea. And we know, that somewhere along the line there was a disconnect, right? We understand that there was a disconnect because we can look all the way in the book of Revelation chapter uh, 3 and we'll find that Jesus talks about the church of Laodicea and how they're neither hot or cold, but he wants to vomit them out of his mouth. I mean, there's no mincing of words that Jesus says. He says, you're neither cold nor hot, but you're lukewarm. Uh, I want to spew you out of my mouth. The, the word spew is vomit, puke regurge and and it's not a pleasant sight i don't know of any positive effect of vomiting other than if you've you know swallowed some poison and and they they you know induce vomiting to get the poison out of you that's a good thing but it's not a fun thing it's not a pleasant thing and so anytime we talk about vomit not to mess in any stomachs up in here, but when we talk about vomit, I know with me it kind of tinges my stomach a little bit, as it's probably tinging some of yours. Jesus says, listen, there's a problem. There was a problem with your church. There's a lot of good things that you've done, but, but you need to stay strong in those things, and you can't be swayed by the outside. And I would say it to us too. And this is a very pertinent letter to us. Kevin's done a great job the last couple of weeks in going through chapters two and three. But here's the thing. And, and as we talk through chapter one, I tried to get through, as you know, last time I was here, I was going to try to get through three chapters and it didn't work. 
Paul is trying to encourage them as he's as I'm trying to encourage you. I think he's trying to encourage anybody who will read this letter. Don't give up. I can't get frustrated by things because I'm not the shepherd. God's the shepherd. It breaks my heart when you when you hear good word, but then you take it out and you allow it to slip out of your head or slip out of your heart. And the next thing you know is that you can be swayed and you can be manipulated. Someone will want to appeal to your flesh. That's what's happening to the church in Thessalonica. And that's what happened. And they, they, kept, they kept getting colder and colder and colder from the heat that they once had. They were on fire at one time. But then they became lukewarm. And Jesus says, yeah, it turns my stomach. I want to puke you out of my mouth. There's a lot of dialogue that we could talk about that, but let's just know and let's just suffice it to say that's not a pleasant thing that Jesus is, is saying about the church of Laodicea, which is where this letter was going to, the church of Thessalonica and the nearby church of Laodicea. But, but here's the thing. Paul is encouraging them not to be duped. But know this. You and I are susceptible to it today too. We're susceptible to it today. It's happened, as I've just shared. Those that used to be among us, some have walked out and they've begun to listen to and support blasphemous teaching. And it breaks my heart. And they support it and they encourage it. It's a booming church. But I hesitate to even utilize the term church. I guess I don't think it's a church. It's a church is maybe the way that the government would consider it a church. But it's frustrating to see a pastor champion so many of these causes that are so anti-biblical. And, and, and people will jump on board and support it. Those that have been here. And, and, and I say that to you because I want you to know, listen, we're all susceptible to fallacy. We're all susceptible. Not that everything I say is perfect. My heart is, Kevin's heart has always been, go back to the word to see if what we're saying is true. And if not, bring it to our attention. Bring it to our attention. I don't want to teach. I'm one day going to have to stand before God. Kevin is one day going to have to stand before God and give an account for every word that has come out of our mouth to you guys. Sorry, Kev. We're, we're going to have to give an account. And, and with pleading, Kevin and I have both, we've pled, pleaded with you and said, listen, know the word of God. Don't be duped by the outside influences. Why are we introducing this chapter this way, Don? Here's the reason. Paul says, finally then, brethren, we urge you, and we exhort you. Do you know what that means? Paul's going, listen to what I am saying. Please, please, please listen. Please listen. <clears throat> In the Lord Jesus, we want you to abound more and more. 
just as you receive from us how much, or from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Our lives, your lives, my life should every day be for the waking up to please the Lord. If you are waking up to please yourself, you've missed the boat. Because that's where depression starts. When I'm trying to please myself, when I'm trying to to do things that make me happy, instead of doing things as a Christian, once I've become a Christian, I no longer belong to me. I belong to the Lord. And when I belong to the Lord, things that I do for me no longer matter. The cool thing is, and, and I know that that might sound very stodgy and very stuffy, to some, you might go, oh, I want what I want in my life because I think I know what makes me happy. <coughs> I, I think I know what makes me tick. And so, Pastor Don, you're saying you want me to give all that up so that I please the Lord. Well, what's that going to look like? Well, let me just say this. He created you. He created the Grand Canyon. He, gra- he created... Mount Everest. He created the the vast oceans. He's created these beautiful sights that you see. He's created the beautiful jungles, the beautiful rivers and the lakes. He's created this wonderful, beautiful planet that we live on. And all you need to do is go down to Siesta Key at sunset. Well, you kind of want to, you know, got the drum circle down there, kind of a little out there sometimes, but here's the thing. You go out there and you watch that sun set in the water. Have you ever seen a little green light? I haven't. They say there's a little green light that flashes. I haven't ever seen it, but here's the thing. You see that beautiful sunset. Know this. God created that. Do you think that that kind of beauty, God goes, well, I just... I know how to do this. I really know how to do the creation of the earth really well. But man, I don't understand the psyche of humans. I don't know what makes Don tick. I just don't know what makes him happy. He does. Man, if if Don does what Don wants to do, he'll make himself happy. Now that kind of sounds silly, doesn't it? That sounds silly because God created Dawn. God created you. God created us. Does he not know how to make you happy? Does he not know how to fill the voids, the empty voids that are inside of you? Does he not know how to to make you fulfilled? And so here's the dynamic of that. When I stop living for myself and I start living for, for the Lord... When I start doing what he wants me to do, when I stop talking the way that Don used to talk, when I stop acting the way that Don used to act, when I stop treating people the way that Don used to treat people, when I stop doing the things that Don used to be, and I start living for the Lord and asking the Lord, Lord, how is it that you would live through my life? Guess what happens? You begin to be filled. You begin to be filled. You begin to realize why you were created. You begin to realize that, hey, this thing on 100 octane works pretty good. Uh, With the proper fuel in it, this works pretty good. But when I'm living for myself, I find myself 
I can find myself. You can find yourself. I know. I've talked to most of us. We've tried to do the right thing. Maybe we've, 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 we've thought we've known what roads to go down. But man, many of those roads that we have launched out onto our own have left us empty and grasping and disillusioned. We're disillusioned in this life. My goodness, is this what it's all about? And we look around and we see people and we go, well, they have this and they're that way and they're this. And I'm not, and, and here's the thing. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for us. He knows what makes us tick. But know this. The enemy also knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes your flesh tick. He, does that make sense? He knows what makes your flesh tick. And one of the things that he will appeal to is your sense of pleasure. And we think, I deserve pleasure. I deserve pleasure. And when we launch out, you got to stick with me here for just a few minutes because you got to, this, I'm trying to build some blocks here to make it fit together, okay? When we, when we think we know what gives us true pleasure, fulfilling pleasure, we've walked down these roads so many times only to find ourselves grasping what we thought was really going to bring us satisfaction. When we have attained it, it's not what it was all cracked up to be. And, you know, all of us have our stories. I, listen. My whole life, I wanted to be kind of an airline pilot. Not just kind of. I wanted to be an airline pilot. Now I am one. Eh. It's a job. You fly an airplane. It's a glorified bus. I'm a bus driver. That's what I do. And I'm sorry if you're a bus driver. I don't, I don't mean to just, you know, anything on that. But we're just, you're doing exactly what I'm doing. There's nothing. Who cares? It's a job. Is there fulfillment to it? Sometimes. But you know there's fulfillment in a lot of things. But if you think that that's what's going to make you happy, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and when when we strive to get something here on this earth that we think that our flesh needs in order to satisfy it, we will always find out, we will always find out that it's not going to completely satisfy. But the enemy will continue to keep the carrot on the stick right in front of you to keep you always grasping for the carrot, always grasping for something to fulfill. And he'll bring people into your life to, 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 to sway you away from the Lord. That's exactly what happened to this church. Look, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, verse 1, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Guys, you remember how we talked to you? Remember with the commandments we gave? Remember how we talked of you? You remember how we walked? You remember you didn't have a problem necessarily walking when we were there, but now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're not walking this way. What's going on? What's happening? It says in verse 3, for, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. It, can, can I say this? There are those that don't believe in the will of God. You cannot tell me what the will of God is for my life. 
Paul says, here's the will of God. It's your sanctification. You know what sanctification means? It means the changing of who you used to be into the man or the woman that God intends you to be. It's a process that is going to continue to happen in your life until you meet Jesus face to face in heaven. It's a process of sanctification. Will you ever completely and totally reach the 100% sanctification? In God's eyes, yes. In your eyes, in reality, no. Not until we're in heaven. Because we're constantly... I sin. You sin. We all sin. We all blow it. But here's the thing. We shouldn't get comfortable in sin. We should always desire to take steps away from sin. That's part of the sanctification process. The sanctification process means, hey, I've blown it. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want to do that again. Help me to not fall in that area anymore. That's a, that's a step of towards sanctification. It's the constant changing of you to become the man or the woman that God wants you to be. And so Paul says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. He wants you to be growing every single day. So here's the thing. Gang, one thing that we already know, God wants us to grow every day. God wants us to grow all the time. He wants us to become the man or the woman that he wants us to be, that he's designed us to be. And here's the thing, when we don't operate in the manner in which God designed for us individually, you individually, and I'm speaking to you individually, not the person next to you, not to the person who's not here that needs to be here that should be listening to this, I'm speaking to you. That means this, if you are not living the way that God has designed you to live, you are not fulfilled. You're just not fulfilled. You can say, oh, but you don't understand. I, you can you can fool me and you can fool your friends, but you can't fool you and you can't fool God. And here's the thing. God designed you. He knows what makes you tick and he knows what truly gives you fulfillment. The world will show you a model of a lie of what you need to attain to. And they'll throw opportunity out there for you to attain this. But if you attain this, you're going to find out the world can't satisfy. But God can. And so when you live according to the Lord, hey, every day is not going to be peaches and cream. Every day is not going to be, wow, how fulfilled I am. Some days are going to be a bummer. Some days are going to be tough. But aren't some days that you're living in today also tough? I'd rather live at the end of the day, have the record of saying, hey, I live for the Lord. I had a tough day, but I live for the Lord today. Instead of, I live completely diametrically opposed to the Lord today, and I still feel like poop. Can you say that from the pulpit? I'm sorry. Yes. Today I did. I still feel horrible. I'd rather be living for the Lord after a crummy day than living for dawn after a crummy day. Because eventually the Lord is going to fulfill me. The Lord is going to show me. He's going to, he's going to, there's nuggets that he throws in your life and in my life that when we're living for him, there's just something that, that 
you've experienced it. Most of you have experienced it. If there's some of you that haven't experienced this, then for goodness sakes, live for the Lord for just a week, okay? You're going to experience this. You've experienced the opportunity where you've, you know that you've taken steps with the Lord. And you might not say anything to anyone, but man, you just go, that was good. I felt good. Lord, thank you for using me. Thank you for, for letting me see that person that needed this. Or help me for, thank you for, for letting me assist that person. Or help, thank you, Lord, for just blessing me in this kind of a situation. People didn't even know that I had this need. It came and here it is. Lord, thank you. I'm walking in you and you've blessed me. Lord, wow. And, and you've experienced this peace and this fulfillment that, that in living for the Lord, there is this sense of pure, pure conscience, pure fulfillment that you're living for the Lord, man. And man, it, it gives you a sparkle to your eye. It gives you a spring to your step. But here, here's the thing. The enemy will never give up trying to take you away from what God wants to do in your life. Here's what happened to these guys. They were a good church, but they died away. You know why? Here's what happened. Paul says, this is the will of God for you, okay? I can tell you, God's will for you is, is your sanctification. There was a guy that had a problem with this back over when I was in Fort Lauderdale. And I won't mention the church. It wasn't the church that I was a part of. It was a different church. But the pastor needed to go to California for a conference. And he went to his assistant pastor and he said, I believe it's God's will that you stay behind and teach this fellow, this pastor, he said, hey, I, I believe it's God's will that you stick behind and minister to the flock while I'm gone for a few days. And that pastor said, no, I, I actually want to go out there with you. And so uh, I don't think that that's what I want to do. This assistant pastor said, I, I actually want to go to California with you. And, and, and he said, I, I, I would, the pastor, senior pastor said, but I really believe it's God's will for you to stay back. And I, I'm going to go and I'll be back, you know. And the, the assistant pastor got, I mean, belligerent with him and said, you know what? You can't tell me what God's will is for my life. No man can ever tell another person what God's will is for their life. And he became, it became such a disruption that he became so vehemently against it, he began to bring other pastors in to bring his senior pastor in, you know, to a rebuke that he told me it was God's will for me to stay behind to teach his flock. That doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to me that the honor to be able to take care of a flock of about 300 people isn't a, 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 an honor, I think. But this pastor, assistant pastor, didn't think that it was an honor at all. He just, he, he wanted to go. What ended up where he ended up, you know, Leaving the church and his family caused such division in the church because no man can ever tell another man what God's will is for their life. And I, I say, I beg to differ with you. Here's one area where Paul says, hey, I know what the will of God is for your life. Will of God for your life is sanctification. Will, of, will for your life is, is sanctification. 
I can tell you what God's will is. God's will is that you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. That's what the Bible says. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I can tell you what God's will is for your life. It's sanctification. It's the changing day by day to become the man or the woman that God wants you to be. But here's what it is. Paul says, here's the area that you guys are being tempted in, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. If this isn't something that is permeated in our culture today, I don't know what is. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. You know what your vessel is? It's your body. It's your body, that you know how to possess your own body, that you know how to operate, you, you know how to live and operate your own body. You don't use it for the wrong things, especially sexual immorality. That he would know how to, that you would know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and in honor. Again, you are no longer yours, you now belong to the Lord. If you belong to the Lord, would you take the Lord's item, His possession, and put it in positions or in conditions or in areas that you find yourself comfortable in? You know, it's the old, you know, wristband, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, think about that. Would you, if Jesus were next to you, would you lock arms with Him and say, hey, Come on, I want to go wherever it is that you go that you wonder, I wonder if God's okay with this. Well, ask yourself this question. Would Jesus be with you doing that? If your answer is, yeah, probably not. No, (laughs) no, he wouldn't be here. Then guess what? You're being tempted and you're being lured away. And, and, And you're not living according to the way that the Lord would have you to live that you know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lusts, like the Gentiles who don't know God. The Gentiles who don't know God, they just live for themselves. They live for whatever makes them happy. That no one should take advantage and def- uh, of that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God didn't call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. And so here, here's, here's what happened. There's a group of people, they were called the Epicureans. The Epicureans. A fellow by the name of Epicurus came up with this philosophy of life. That meant to fulfill your divinity, to fulfill your life, to, to live life to the fullest, anything that brings you pleasure and removes or uh, uh, delineates any pain, you do it. In other words, it's the, the statement, if it feels good, do it. That came through the Epicureans. And there was a huge group of people that said, hey, It's a popular thought. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's latching on to Epicurus. Everybody's latching on to his philosophy of living. And his philosophy of living is anything that makes you happy, anything that brings you pleasure, do it and do it completely to the fullest. 
And people's lives began to be ruined. This church died because of it. Because they latched on to a humanistic, philosophical postulate. They latched on to hedonism. They latched on to what makes me happy. My pleasure. And Paul says, man, if you're going to live for you, if you live for you, you're going to live not for the Lord. God knows how, to, how you tick. He knows what makes you happy. He knows what makes you fulfilled. Live for him and you'll understand the fulfillment. But live for you and you're going to be finding yourself very dissatisfied and disillusioned. Because you know what? In the church what happens is that there's a lot of people that live for themselves while trying to live for the Lord. And you can't do both. Uh, trust me, I've done it. I've tried it and I still try it a lot and it doesn't work. Any of you guys have been a Christian for any amount of time, you also understand this statement. You try to live for you and you try to live for the other, you know, for the Lord. You know, it, Greg Laurie used to call them mugwump Christians. You got your mug on one side of the fence and your mug and your wump on the other side of the fence. You're living on one side of the fence for the Lord and on the other side of the fence you're living for you and you're never going to be happy. You're just never going to be happy. The, the two will not, will not meet. But that's what destroyed this church. That's what will destroy you. That's the message here. That's what Paul's trying to get through to you and to me. Don't allow, do not allow the outside influences the world to come in and dictate what makes you happy. Because everybody tells you what makes you happy. Man, all I have to do is jump on Facebook and I find people's lives that are so much greater than mine, so much happier than mine. Except, I know a lot of those people and I know the problems that they have in life. And I know their life is not what they're portraying out there. And I know that what happens is that other people look at that and they get depressed because they're going, everybody else has got such a wonderful life, but my life just sucks because I don't have what they have. And here's the thing. They're thinking the same thing as they're writing this thing. Oh, I have such a wonderful, I have a this and I have a wonderful and this is great and this is wonderful and this is that. I am so, I am the happiest person. And that yet yeah, you've just... You, you, you may have talked to somebody, you may have talked to that person just a day before and their life was in absolute shambles. You may have just gotten off the phone with them and their life was in shambles and here's the thing, they're writing something that, I don't, I don't know if it's a positive confession kind of a mindset, I'm going to write that everything is great so that maybe it'll happen. It doesn't work that way. Positive confession is not the manner in which God works. Positive action is the way that God works. Do what God wants you to do. I mean, th the simplicity of the gospel is absolutely astonishing of how simple it is. Now, it's harder to live, but the simplicity of knowing what to do is unbelievably simple. It's just carrying it out because we have the temptations that are out there. We got the friends that say, oh, come on. Do this with us or do that with us. And, and the next thing you know is that you do do it because, well, no, 
maybe justify it. Well, I don't want to use, lose my opportunity to maybe witness to him somewhere down the road. And then you go out and you do what they're doing and you come home and you feel horrible because, well, you live for self and you find out that you come home and, and you're, not, you're not fulfilled. In fact, it feels like you've just taken another step back in your life. Corey Ten Boom used to say, look at others and be distressed or depressed. I'm sorry. Look without or look at others and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. Or look to Jesus and be at rest. When I look at others, I get distressed because, man, everybody else has it all together. When I look within me, I see that I don't have it together. And when all actuality, hey, maybe you're right exactly where God wants you to be. Take this step today to start walking with Jesus. Take this step today. There's not a greater day for you to to live for Jesus than right now. Than for right now. I camped on this today and I actually took more time because I knew I wasn't going to get through this where I was going to finish my whole text. So this is where we're going to end today. Gang, listen. You may never ever come back to this church again. Would you please just consider, take it to the Lord and see if what I've said here today is either true or false. If you live for self, you're going to find yourself disillusioned and depressed. If you live for the Lord, I know that even though you don't know how possibly God could ever give you a fulfilled life by living for Him, you just need to do it. You've tried you. You've tried what others have done. You've tried what, what the society tells you and culture says to do. And you've, this is where you are. Maybe, maybe for once you surrender yourself and say, you know what, Lord? I, I confess. I don't know what makes me happy. And maybe you go just to the Lord and you have that kind of an honest, open conversation in truth and in reality where you say, Lord, I have, I have tried to find happiness. I've tried to find fulfillment. I've tried to fill the voids. I've tried to do all these things by, by trying to hear what my friends want me to do or trying to see what my family wants me to do or trying to, to, to live according to the way that others want me to live. Or maybe even I'm trying to find you know, the, the satisfaction in life of trying to live the way that I think I should live. But I always run into some problems where I'm going, well, I've walked down this road and I don't know that I would take you with me in some of these places or in some of those areas or in some of those thoughts. I don't know that I, I would want you to be there with me when I am experiencing those things. And Lord, here's the thing. I'm tired of trying to do it my way. God, I want to surrender to you and I want you to show me how you want me to live. And I know I might lose a friend here or there. I know that I might make someone mad. I know that some people might get upset with me in the direction that I'm going, but God, I want to do it your way. You fill my life. You do in my life what you want to do. 
I'm going to live according to the manufacturer. What would you do? How well would your car run if you go out there in your car and you take this Gatorade punch that we have over here and put it in the, in the tank? How well would your car run? It wouldn't. What if everybody's doing it? Everybody's putting that in there. Is it going to work? No. Why? Because you're not putting the right stuff in there. Your car's not going to work unless you put fuel in there that was designed to go in there to make the engine run. God designed you. He manufactured you. Whatever your date of birth is, that's your manufacture date. He knows what fuels you. He knows what tunes you up. He knows what keeps you in proper working order. Why don't you let him run your life? You've done it for this long, your own way. Where has it led you? Let him run your life. Trust him. Trust him. Don't be a Laodicean. Don't be a Thessalonian. Right here, they were still doing good. But they were starting to sway away. And they were starting to to listen to the outside influences. And Paul was saying, I'm exhorting you. I'm begging you. I urge and exhort you in the Lord. Don't let this road continue to happen. Quit walking down this road. And they didn't heed his, his advice, his counsel. And they ended up dying. The life of the church just gone. It was gone. Don't let that be your history. Don't let that be. Don't let that be your story. You be the one who lives for the Lord. You be the one who stands up. You be the one that, that is willing to say, Lord, I, I trust you. And I don't care about what the outside forces or voices say. I want to live for you. And, and it doesn't matter. Uh, some people might get mad. Some might, people might mock me. But you know what? They mocked you. They got mad at you. They, they hung you to a stinking cross because of the way you lived. Why are we so bound determined to make everybody like us? Be careful. That's a dangerous, dangerous sword. Not everybody liked Jesus. Jesus said, hey, they hated me. They're going to hate you. But know that that's the cost. That's the cost of living for the Lord sometimes. Are you willing? That's between you and the Lord. I'm just trying to encourage you. I'm trying to urge you and exhort you not to follow in the trail of the Laodiceans. Because Jesus said to them, you make me sick. Because you're living two different things. You're living, you're saying you're a Christian, but you're living in the world. And nobody can tell the difference. I can't tell the difference. Don't let that be your your anthem. Don't let that be your, your story. It's hard sometimes. But the Lord will never take you down a road that He will not see fit to give you the strength and the power to get through that road. I'd rather be on a difficult road with the Lord than on a very easy road without Him. Wouldn't you? Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? 
We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.